Hello and welcome to Reenergize. This is the place to discover more about emerging tech in offshore renewables and how we will meet our future energy needs. My name is Johnny Love, Project Manager at the Offshore Renewable Energy Catapult, the UK's leading research and innovation centre for offshore renewables. We connect agile technology developers, academics and industry players working to accelerate the UK's wind, wave and tidal energy sectors. Last year, we opened our Operations and Maintenance Centre of Excellence, a national hub for enhancing the UK's world-leading position in offshore wind operational performance. With our Centre of Excellence located at the Port of Grimsby, we want to discuss the opportunities that exist within the region and the role it will play in the UK's green recovery. So, without further ado, let's meet today's guests. Yes, hello, Jonathan. Lovely to be back with you. My name is Melanion and I'm the Deputy Chief Executive of Renewable UK. We have Maggie next. Maggie Johnson. Hi, Maggie. I'm Maggie Johnson. I'm the Investment Manager at North East Links Council. You're also involved in the Grimsby Renewable Partnership, is that right? I certainly am, yes. I'm the coordinator for the Grimsby Renewables Partnership. The council sort of oversees, well, say oversees, uh, we support all of our sector groups and um, I'm lucky enough to support the Grimsby Renewables Partnership and the work that they do locally to support the offshore wind and other renewables industries and the supply chain. And Corinne as well. My name's Corinne Barry. I'm a business development manager for RES based here in the Humber myself um, and specifically been involved with the offshore wind sector for RES. And you were um, recently awarded an accolade at the Humber Renewables Awards, were you not? I was indeed, yeah. I was um, very fortunate and humbled to receive an award for Renewables Women of the Year. So yeah, very proud and very humbled uh, for that acknowledgement. It's a lot of people that deserve a lot of acknowledgement within the Humber region. So yeah, that's for a lot of women, not just myself. No, it's fantastic news, um, Corinne. Thank you. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but um, <laughs> I think that's something that shouldn't be um, overlooked. Thank you very so, much. Okay, thank you all. Great to meet you, um, albeit virtually. What I'll do is I'll, I'll take us on to the technical challenge, um, which is where we start by pinning down some of the terminology that we'll be using in today's episode. In this month's technical challenge, each of you will be asked to explain a renewable energy concept for us in less than 30 seconds. The first piece of terminology we'd like to unpack is build back better. And Maggie, we'd like to come to you on that one, please. Building back better, this is going to help with the levelling up agenda. It was uh, designed to create higher value jobs in our area, to create vibrant towns of access to jobs and services, and to put investment in infrastructure, science, technology and innovation, all of which are key components of the offshore wind industry and other renewable um, industries in our area. The 10-point plan for a green industrial revolution could have been written for North East Lincolnshire, and we intend to seize the opportunities of any new investment investment that comes our way. Uh, Build Back Better links with the funding that we've secured through the Future High Street Fund and the Towns Fund, for which Grimsby was a pilot town, creating £40 million in grant funding to regenerate Grimsby Town Centre, which of course all helps to sort of attract new people to our area, both to uh, live and work. And of course, recently we've just been announced as a Humber Freeport, for which the ports of Grimsby and Immingham are part of, which is a really exciting concept for our area and will go to attract lots more investment which is going to help all of our existing businesses and um, our supply chain. Fantastic. Thank you, Maggie. Melanie, can I come to you to unpack the energy transition, please? Yeah, absolutely. So we are currently in a, a period of time where we are 
looking to reduce all of our carbon emissions and the principal ways that we are going to make that move towards reaching net zero by 2050 in the UK is by changing the sources of energy that we rely on, whether that's in our homes, whether that's in our businesses or whether that's in our transportation. And so the energy transition is moving away from those traditional fossil fuels that pump out lots of carbon in the production and use of those fuels towards greener, cleaner sources of energy. Karina, I'd like to come to you, please, to unpack and explain to us uh, what we mean by operations and maintenance in offshore wind. So operations and maintenance is known as O&M for short, and this activity actually accounts for approximately one quarter of the lifetime cost of any offshore wind farm. It's something, a phase of the wind farm, which follows after construction. You can say over the next sort of two decades, offshore wind is going to become quite significant, specifically to the Grimsby region. And more than five and a half thousand turbines will require offshore O&M by 2025. And that's about a two billion per year annum sort of revenue you're looking at. Operations refers to the activities contributing to the high level sort of management of the assets, such as remote monitoring, environmental monitoring uh, and administration side of things. And then you've got the maintenance, which uh, accounts for the largest proportion of the O&M as a category, which is to do with the cost and the risk of maintaining the activity assets, keeping up with physical repair and plant and system maintenance. It says what it does in the name. It's quite as simple as that, really. Those two categories are then divided into preventative and then corrective, but I won't go into that. (laughs) We'll save that for another challenge. Thank you, Karina. That was fantastic. Some excellent statistics in there as well. O&M is clearly a big opportunity for the industry and for um, our region in particular. I would like to move the conversation on now surrounding the energy transition into um, offshore renewables. And here we'll dive into the region's existing energy heritage and how it's prepared this region for the rapid expansion that we've experienced in offshore renewable energy. So let's talk about existing infrastructure, transferable skills and jobs initially. As far as you say our heritage, as far as Grimsby is concerned, we saw an opportunity. As a traditional fishing port, we already had the infrastructure in place. Uh, We saw the opportunity, we invested in lock gates, a boat hoist and other facilities to attract the offshore wind industry. There are existing transition network connections from our history and power generation. Our ports have good access to the river, Grimsby River Terminal, and obviously the the boat lift for local maintenance and vessels. There's a neighbouring site at um, Stallingborough, which is AMEP, which has deep water keys, and they've um, recently also become involved in the Freeport, and there's an opportunity there for them to have offshore renewables activities on their site. So across the Humber as a whole, I think um, we have have an awful lot to offer the offshore wind industry with our O&M in Grimsby uh, manufacturing in Hull and uh, the potential for the Killingham site in between us and obviously the skills in our process control industries are transferable so there's a, an obvious opportunity there for our local people to get into the jobs uh, that are available on in offshore wind. I think we've got a really long history in in the Humber area of being a a key part of energy provision and and fuel provision. So there's a lot of kind of technical expertise that exists in the area. But, you know, we can't deny the fact that our 
location is absolutely perfect for this kind of technology. Um, you know, the, the fact that we are able to harness natural resources so conveniently from our geographic location means that um, we get to utilize all of the facilities that we have got along our dock areas as Maggie's just described. And I think one of the, the big things that has really benefited the area is that we've seen opportunities open up to local people that didn't exist before and that generally the reception to new businesses coming in in the offshore renewable sector has been so positive. People are incredibly interested, they want to learn more about it and they want to find ways uh, to be a part of it and I think for a new sector establishing itself in an area it's quite remarkable that it has happened and had such a positive reception because very often when new businesses come if they are bringing with them substantial infrastructure change or you know completely uh, new kinds of technology that haven't had a historic base in an area they can be seen as, as something of a threat but I think Grimsby's really opened its arms to the industry and started to think about well what opportunities are there how can we uh, get the best benefit out of this new industry that's on our doorstep and just seeing some of the interaction between uh, the companies and schools the partnerships with local college and education providers has really embedded the sense of opportunity on our doorstep for lots of local people so I think it's a lesson I think as well you know for, for other areas of, of what can be achieved and how it can be achieved with good early planning with a very proactive and supportive local authority because I think that without that things might have been very different and progress we might not have seen that kind of confidence from the industry coming to Grimsby because you know the fact that we've now got operations and maintenance bases uh, operating out of Grimsby those are not things that people thought we would have access to because they're providing good jobs, secure jobs, 25-year minimum in a, a new industry that's growing not only in the UK but internationally. It's clear there's some really positive stories there, isn't there? The world's largest and busiest port for offshore wind, O&M, servicing some of the world's largest wind farms is, is fantastic news for the area. Corinne, what were you uh, looking to say? Yeah, I just w wanted to sort of reiterate some of the things that Melanie and Maggie had touched upon, really. Grimsby's used to being a world leader. So prior to renewables, you've got to remember, as they've both touched on, the existing robust infrastructure was built on a fishing and shipping industry. And Grimsby used to be the world's busiest fishing port in the world. So they're used to, to, to being the first and leading the way in sectors. So it was almost natural for them. Uh, what I've learned, not being a local Grimbarian, but moving to the area for renewables four years ago, is that Grimsby people are very passionate and determined and robust about the area they come from and they are willing to give everything a go and there's a huge amount of innovation in the area and I think that's what's really spurred on the offshore sector is they've taken that knowledge from being you know world-class leaders historically in a different sector and pivoted to use that to their advantage again and build themselves back up 
And that's one thing that um, I've noticed moving into the area. And these elements have really allowed the Humber as a region to service the renewable sector so efficiently. And so what others may consider so easy, but it's not. It's building upon those skills that are sort of inbred to the Grimparians almost. Young people are now entering a very uncertain workplace. Are you seeing an upsurge in interest in renewables and green economy courses and jobs? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously I work a lot in the Humber region as a careers enterprise advisor and also as a cornerstone employer. So engaging with young students of the region, trying to educate them into renewables, but they're already educated. In fact, they're educating us. Um, The millennials of their mindset is completely different to those even sort of 20 years ago. The way that their mindset works and their approach to working has completely changed. You only have to look at the likes of Greta Thunberg, who are now, you know, pushing us to change our ways and looking at how we diversify into renewables more. And obviously, locally in Grimsby, we're seeing a lot more um, courses for apprenticeships and an increased interest in those. There's a lot more um, interest for students approaching um, myself and and other businesses asking, you know, how can we get into renewables? So there's definitely a good thirst for knowledge around the area for the next generation. I completely agree. And I've also been struck by the change in uh, mentality when it comes to what a job in offshore renewables is. Typically, I think a few years ago, we'd think immediately of the technician perhaps a rope access technician dangling from a blade or uh, somebody scaling a ladder having transferred from the CTV. But the supply chain is so much richer um, and there are so many more roles within offshore renewables than I think immediately meets the eye. That's great. Thank you. I think that's really important, Jonathan, to highlight that because I think think you're right. I've been doing quite a lot of online sessions with young people from around the country and people are attending in their hundreds to find out more about the sector and to understand exactly what the opportunities are. And it isn't just about those uh, technician roles. Those, you know, if you have 10 apprenticeship vacancies for technicians, you're looking at hundreds, maybe thousands of people applying for those 10 apprenticeship roles. They are incredibly sought after because they are so exciting. Um, but they are not the only roles that exist in the sector. It is very broad, varied, and, you know, while Corinne talked about the operations and maintenance phase that comes at the end, there is a whole host before you even get to a wind farm being built where we need more people and we need more expertise. And I think, you know, if we're looking at the UK continuing to be a global leader in offshore wind, we need to encourage more people to look at how they can be involved at those early stages, because that's where the innovation comes in. And I think that's something that the UK is great at. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's really good to see the amount of women and young girls who are getting involved. And you see the apprenticeships that Orsted have locally. There are lots and lots of girls and it's traditionally, you know, we've struggled, haven't we, to get girls into technical roles. So that's really encouraging to see that uh, they're seeing the offshore wind as a, a great opportunity for them as well for us as well. (laughs) I think there's a lot of work been done from the local LEPs in this enterprise advisor role, especially that I've seen in educating young females, but also educating schools to give 
and expose young students to the right information so that um, young girls don't think that working in an offshore wind environment is putting on a boiler suit and working like a mechanic and a grease monkey. There's so much more to it. Applying your STEM-based subjects and something that you're passionate about can lead you to be a project manager and you don't actually step one foot <laughs> offshore in your whole entire life. So there's some, some key bits that the, the local council and the LEP and the enterprise advisor roles have all helped with that, especially I've noticed in the, in the Humber-Grimsby region. Really clear to see how the region is helping to achieve some of those objectives set out in the um, offshore wind sector deal with regards to some of these jobs that are going to be needed to fulfil our um, objectives of reaching net zero and by increasing the, uh, the percentage of women in the industry. So thanks for your insight there. That's fantastic. A few more minutes on this topic then. Perhaps just if you wouldn't mind summarising why, and, and we've touched on it already uh, to a degree, but why Grimsby is such an important region for the UK's offshore renewable energy production. Historically, we've got 12 years of history in the offshore wind industry, starting with LIDS back in 2008. It was, again, a first for turbine technology, foundation technology and size of project. And from there, we are strategically placed as a Humber energy cluster for the North Sea to reach out to the rest of the energy market. So we're placed ideally to the rest of Europe. Um, also, we're seen because of our innovation We've exported our knowledge around the world, the likes of Taiwan, USA, China, etc. have all sent delegates over to learn from us and, and what we've learned in O&M and the lessons that we've learned. And the region is playing a significant role in development of green hydrogen through the use of renewable energy power. And we've got local projects such as the Gigastack Renewable Energy Hydrogen Project that's being developed here. So all together with all this energy... The Humber region is potentially going to provide up to 10 gigawatts of renewable energy to meet the government's 2040 net zero plans, which is phenomenal. Um, at the time, obviously, it's been extended to 40 gigawatts, but that was one third at the time of the whole of the UK. So you can see why Grimsby and the Humber is so fundamental to that. Absolutely, Corinne. Thank you. I think there's been um, a clarity of vision from the Humber as a region as well. You know, it might have taken a little while to come together in its entirety, but this notion of having a net zero Humber is incredibly important. The fact that it's had buy-in from local authorities on both sides of the Humber, that the local enterprise partnerships have invested their time and their energy and their finance into that concept that it's brought together uh, universities and academics, that industry is integral to that move towards ever-increasing decarbonisation to, to tackle the fact that the Humber is one of the highest emitting areas in the whole country, unfortunately. So, you know, we've, we've got a lot of opportunity to deliver quite innovative, exciting and, and rapid change in helping not only the country, but the planet meet its carbon reduction targets and try and slow down that climate change to get it to below uh, two degrees. And that, I think, is quite exciting. You know, I think about the having an identity for a place, I think, is quite important. Feeling that a place has a bigger stake and a bigger role in an issue that is so significant as, as climate change, I think, is something that people in Grimsby and the wider Humber area should be really proud of. And, you know, the fact that all of those mechanisms and structures that we've got in the area are all pulling in the same direction that they're all saying the same thing, I think will help us to have 
a much greater impact. And that, that's something we should all be really proud of. Couldn't agree more, Melanie. Maggie, wanted to uh, ask if you had any final thoughts before we move on to um, another topic. Yeah, just to add to what uh, Melanie and Corinne have said, I mean, I totally agree. And I think one of the important things for Grimsby and how we've managed to come so far in such a relatively short time, you know, we're home to two of the largest developers with Ersted and RWE. And I think it's the fact that we we embraced it from right from the start. You know, we weren't afraid to, to say, OK, offshore wind, it's all new, it's brand new. There's a lot of people sort of saying, oh, it's never going to work. It's never going to be sort of a main source of energy for us you know we weren't afraid to say no come to Grimsby we'll look after you and as Corinne said before you know we are very welcoming you know we were happy to take anybody on a tour around to show people what we've done we'll talk about what the, the mistakes that we've made the lessons that we've learned and where we've got to sort of from that so I think that's possibly sort of behind it just our attitude towards it. I'd like to move the conversation on now to talk about some companies that we haven't mentioned uh, so much already. Um, the SMEs, small and medium enterprises, and their effectively unlimited potential in this region, in this sector. So a few questions to throw out at you. Initially, what sort of opportunities exist for SME growth within the sector? And um, I can't not bring in the um, ORE Catapults Operations and Maintenance Centre of Excellence at this point, because since moving to the region last year, the Centre of Excellence, or the OMCE as it's known, has really set out its stall. And the Catapult exists as a whole to bring benefit to SMEs, to encourage growth, to um, foster and cultivate that spirit of innovation within the different locations and where we are set up. A few prompts, if you like, but also areas that uh, the OMCE is uh, helping to stimulate this would be in the areas of advanced communications and 5G, digital and data services, looking at clean maritime and and the decarbonisation of some of the uh, operations and maintenance activity that takes place offshore. Also, uh, robotics and autonomous solutions, uh, or RAS, as it is known. The OMC has plenty of um, activities taking place, and we're continuing to look and work with local uh, innovators and agile SMEs to uh, increase that um, in the industry. But really keen to hear your thoughts on the kind of opportunities that exist for SMEs in this sector. Can I just talk a little bit about the, the policy framework and why it is only going to increase in terms of opportunities and local UK content as part of projects because um, it has been an ambition of the offshore sector to achieve a higher usage of UK content and for various reasons it hasn't quite hit the targets. It's hitting around 50% of projects at the moment but there is a lot of discussion that is underway about um, increasing UK content as part of projects and having a really clear concerted effort and some of the I mean Maggie mentioned earlier the the funding to support Able Marine Energy Park in in transforming itself into a site that will be fit for growth in renewables that's an opportunity that we will see coming to our area we know that Siemens has put in an application to increase its footprint Um, to double its size. We've seen that GE Energy have decided to put in a new blade factory up at Teesside. So there's lots of investment that is happening that is a signal of where we are going, where we will see um, increased effort, attention and financing of UK 
supply chain investment. So that's that's one side of it. The other side of it is the fact that it is an incredibly fast moving sector. And I'm sure Corinne will, will want to jump in because so much happens in such a short space of time. It is always developing, it's always moving forward. The, the innovation is so rapid. It's certainly an exciting space to be working in, um, and I'm thankful that a lot of the projects that I'm involved with are at the cutting edge of that uh, innovation when it comes to um, reducing the cost and increasing the safety and taking the carbon out of uh, O&M activity. Um, you mentioned Corinne and Corinne's experience in the sector in, in, in O&M and have an SME background. Corinne, I understand. Did you want to come in with a few thoughts? Yeah, it's in line with what Melanie was saying there. SMEs have to seem to be more innovative in order to um, almost bully their way through the sector in order to sort of grab their share of the market, shall we say. So they're much more flexible and dynamic and they're able to pivot more, which then allows their you know, innovation to be much more creative at times and also bring those ideas to the market. Coming from an SME background, historically can sort of speak firsthand on that. And there is so much potential for SMEs in the Grimsby region. And it's not just by providing innovation as people would think from a, a physical new blade or a new safety platform or something like that. You know, innovation in itself is developing new processes and it's not just actually physically creating something. So there is so much potential for SMEs to get involved in the whole supply chain with the larger companies with the likes of the developers of Ersted and RWE, they really are open to change and development more so than other sectors like oil and gas and the way things have done. And I think that's been proven by the supply chain of SMEs in, in, in the Grimsby region. And it's not perfect and, and we can always do more as Melanie's highlighted and we could do more with some local content and, and that's being sort of developed. But for me, the SMEs are supported by some great groups in the, in the Humber region, like the Grimsby Renewable Partnership, which I'm sure Maggie will allude to, also Team Humber Alliance. Also, the local LEP and local councillor are hugely supportive for SMEs with, with certain types of funding. And you've also got eFactor, who are a local company that contribute for startups. The other side of the bridge, you've got the Aura Innovation Centre as well and the Hull University. So you've got all of these different sources to help guide, look for information. You know, if there's funding, uh, there's also campaigns run through these groups as well as connecting everyone together. So, and that's the key, what Melanie sort of pointed on earlier, that this industry is everyone working together, not against. And, and that's when we really achieve and strive to achieve more and better. I would, I'd like to tease out a little bit more on the support that's available for um, companies in the region. Maggie, I'd like to come to you, if I may, over the mm -hmm. types of um, support that's available. Um, Karina mentioned funding. I know there's uh, the opportunity for grants. There are various support organisations that exist within the region, as well as uh, different business groups, innovation centres, academia that are there to support as well. Could you explain a little more about the support that might be available, please? 
Uh, yes, of course. From a council point of view, our inward investment team, um, we deal with all sorts of businesses, large and small. We give support to SMEs who are looking to relocate here. And there are quite a lot. You know, when you talk about inward investment, you, you automatically think of the really large companies. But there's, especially in offshore renewables, you find that um, there's some relatively small businesses who are looking to come here to sort of uh, try and get into the supply chain. And I think businesses have realised over the last sort of 12 years that they do have to be a little bit more innovative. You know, they, they can't just sort of rock up at somebody's door and expect to get work. You know, they have to be better than everybody else. They have to have something better to offer. As Corinne said, we've got fantastic groups with eFactor and the Investment Hub um, who support SMEs in any grant funding. I mean, they're both free resources. They'll help with business plans. They'll help with startup companies. The Investment Hub get people in touch with all sorts of investment opportunities uh, through um, banks and all sorts of funding. The GRP has... Um, Corinne says, we're a fantastic group. We have uh, lots of network opportunities, which is invaluable when you're new to the area or if you're an SME, you need to be able to make your business contacts. GRP champions the area and we offer an awful lot of support with networking to businesses. We keep them up to date with events and opportunities, which all of our members say are really, really important. And the other thing I suppose we have to consider is that um, although we're talking about offshore wind today, the area is actually developing a really good renewable energy cluster. We've also got um, EV chargers. Uh, we've got a fantastic company who are really good, really flying on the um, EV side. We've got investments coming in from battery manufacturers, green aviation fuel. So I think the potential for the opportunities for SMEs are a lot bigger now because it's not just offshore wind, and uh, you know, and it, it can be a relatively small market, you know, for uh, for getting into that supply chain. But coupled with all of the other renewable industries that we're attracting into the area, I think. The the, the opportunities and the support are definitely growing for them. I'd like to just add a little, if I may. You mentioned that um, the size of the, the O&M market and um, Corinne mentioned a statistic earlier on about it uh, consisting of around a quarter of the cost of a, a wind farm is, is tied up in that O&M phase. Obviously, those operating out of Grimsby uh, and the SMEs supplying them won't just be uh, taking care of their uh, wind farms off the Holdness Coast, for instance, in the North Sea. We've got the, the wind farms around the corner in the southern North Sea of uh, East Anglia and, and further up the coast as well. And I think it's important to stress that companies that uh, are doing well within the supply chain are not limited to uh, success regionally. I'm involved in ORE Catapult's Fit for Offshore Renewables programme, and we have a number um, of uh, SMEs on an incredible journey through uh, growing in terms of business excellence and also their sector-specific knowledge all the way up the East Coast at the moment, from the New Anglia region up in the Northeast and all the way to the Northeast of Scotland. And these businesses are establishing relationships with each other to do business in each other's backyards as well as uh, on their patch too. So whilst we have a large market on our doorstep and there are some big contracts available with the, the big named operators. This is a very much UK and European and global industry at the end of the day. So I think it's a fantastic to get as many local organisations involved in that as possible. I think that there's something about companies in, in the supply chain understanding the, the phases of auctions and when the next set of developments might need to take place and that early engagement. So the kind of stuff that 
uh, Maggie was was talking about the GRP offer is really important because understanding where you might be able to add value, where the way that you do things as a company might might work very well for for the sector if it's not something that you've been involved in before, or how as a supply chain company, you might fit in with another supply chain company and be able to enhance their product or their service is really important. And I think that opening up the sector so that more companies are aware of of the opportunities, but also doing it at an early enough stage so they can reap the benefits is, is really important. And the fit for renewables scheme is incredibly effective, incredibly effective for smaller companies that spy an opportunity and want to make sure that they uh, that they are in a, a good position to be able to present themselves and their work in the best way possible, in a way that the industry understands, because sometimes you can be talking to slightly different languages if you're not um, familiar with each other's businesses. Absolutely, Melanie. You've uh, got the brief down for the Fit for Offshore Renewables programme there. That is absolutely the ambitions of the programme to um, help those with the solutions to industry's problem be able to supply those services. There is a little bit of a a language barrier, shall we say, between big industry and agile innovators. And um, the programme really helps address that in my experience, which is great. Maggie, earlier on, we got you to unpack the Build Back Better uh, message for us. And I don't want to... uh, let that go to waste. So can we talk a little about how the UK's green economic recovery following the impacts of COVID-19? How can Grimsby, the local SMEs, benefit from this Build Back Better message and importantly, Build Back Greener with initiative from the UK government? Well, I think the backbone behind it really is all to do with science, technology and innovation, which is what we've been discussing you know, through the, the course of this chat. And I think that's where the opportunities are. You know, we've got uh, yourselves with Catapult. We've got the Freeport, which, again, is built on creating hotbeds of innovation. So I think there's going to be the support. There's going to be the funding. There's going to be all sorts of different opportunities to actually get businesses able to support R&D and innovation and it's going to sort of create um, hopefully lots and lots of people who are going to become entrepreneurs and have the security and just be able to get into the industry you know through innovation so I think I think that's where the opportunities are to be honest you know everything is about being greener now so the focus is on it and where we haven't had opportunities before I think there's going to be some really really good ones now. Karine, can I loop you back in on this, please? Because you mentioned hydrogen earlier on. um, And I know that um, you've been involved in in projects that are looking at uh, decarbonising some of O&M activity. Um, I know the Catapult, we're uh, we're particularly interested in uh, using hydrogen as a fuel for crew transfer vessels um, and and similar or using power generated offshore to uh, create hydrogen that can be used onshore. What are your thoughts on that? I think it relates to what Maggie said. So obviously, uh, building back better is learning from industry and being innovative. And I keep throwing this word around, but Humber is pioneering for that. And as you've touched on, the point around green hydrogen, which, as I call it, is a bit like the new kid on the block in the renewables sustainability area. And for me, it's something that goes hand in hand with offshore wind. It's like two sides of a coin. Obviously, we need to develop how that works together and what the infrastructure looks like for that. And also not just within regards to the wind farm, but we also need to develop 
onshore, the grid infrastructure to deal with this green hydrogen. And I think once once we do that, then we really do have the opportunity to tap into these resources and build something which will both economically um, and also be sustainable for the UK, not just Grimsby as a region. And obviously then hopefully the UK will lead the way in a green growth and, uh, and a green build back better. And it will lead the way you know, for other countries to sort of follow suit. Melanie, Maggie, Corinne, thank you for taking part in today's episode. It is now time to de-energise until next month. In the meantime, listeners can find more about ORE Catapult's activities at ore.catapult.org.uk. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at ORE Catapult.